every single time. Amen. Um, I, I remember several years back, well, probably about eight years ago now, I was preaching at a little church in a little country town somewhere in Louisiana. And uh, I had a guy invite me over for lunch afterwards. And he said to me, he said, um, do they like give you evangelists like some sort of um, monthly newsletter or something? I mean, to like preach on or something like that? And I said, no, we don't get a newsletter. He said, uh, because it seems like every time an evangelist comes to our church, he's always preaching the same message. It's like sin and the cross and salvation. Like, is there anything else that y'all preach? And I was like, that's pretty much it. It's about the cross, isn't it? I mean, Paul said, God forbid that I boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, it don't make any difference to me how you slice it and what angle you want to take, but it's still all coming back to the cross. Amen? And so we got to remember that, right? So uh, anyway, having said that, let me read a passage of Scripture to you. This is not the one I want to preach, but i got my heart's full. It's fluttery. It's full. Thank you, Zach, for saying that. It reminded me of something. Here's why we stand up and do what we do. As preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as believers in Christ, this is why the Word is so important. Here's why we do what we do, Brother George, right here. I found this passage a couple of weeks ago. I never had noticed it before, even though I'm sure I've read it a million times. But it just jumped out at me. Paul said to Timothy, who was a young preacher, by the way. He said this to Timothy. He said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Alright? So we got that part. He said, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. So Paul says, hey, remember I told you that Jesus Christ, in this blessed gospel, Jesus Christ has been raised from the grave. And because of that message, I have been labeled an evildoer. Now, Zach brought up a very good point a few minutes ago because this world is becoming more and more and more and more hostile uh, to the truth of God's Word, right? When you say that, I mean, the things that we see that God says is wrong, the, the, the culture says is right, and so it's becoming more hostile to us. But he says, I've been put in chains for this. That's how bad it's gotten. But then he turns right around and says this, but the Word of God is not chained. Right? They can bind me up, but the Word of God will continue to do the work that the Word of God is going to do. And so that's why we do what we do, amen? That's why we preach the glorious gospel. That's why even though we may be on fire as a church, as Tim said earlier, we still need that Word of God to do what it does in our life so that we can be closer and closer and closer to Jesus. I thought about this a few minutes ago, and this is none of this is part of the sermon, so just you can just tack on another 15 minutes to the service, and uh, I'm just going to unload, alright? I was thinking about this these uh, when you burn logs and you put these logs in a fireplace maybe uh, overnight you know you have a fireplace you want to burn it all night long you get up the next morning you're going to kind of stoke the fire again and you'll notice sometimes that there's like a log in there that's been burned and you can see the evidence that it has been burned and maybe the hollowed out part but it's not all the way burned right and so sometimes I think that's the way we are as believers we've been burned up by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can see that in us but still we we need to not just be burned by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be consumed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Till there's nothing left of us except the evidence that God has been there, right? Everybody agree with that? Yeah. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for what's going to happen tonight. Right, about half of y'all. 
rest of y'all, I don't know why you come. Amen? We come to worship Jesus, all right? So, here, let's take your Bible out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Um, I feel a little bit, a little bit less pressure, Brother George, to perform because I'm a pastor now. So this is not my primary role uh, of, um, of making a living. So I'm just going to holler and scream at you all night. No, I'm going back to a church. Amen. It don't make no difference for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to ask you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Verse number 17. The Bible says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your grace upon our lives. Lord, there has never been a person that you had to look up to save. Lord, you had to look down upon all of us because we were lowly, sinful people. And yet, God, in the midst of our sin, you demonstrated your love by sending Jesus to die for us. And God, we praise your holy name for that tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to us in a clear way tonight from your word. And God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to exactly what you call us to do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would break us That you would get down to the very core of who we are. And that you would shatter our flesh, Lord. And you would have us to be obedient to your spirit. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, um, how many of you, I'm just going to ask this question. I mean, I know what what college fans you are. So I don't even have to ask that question. I've been here enough for that. Uh, how many of you are New Orleans Saints fans? I mean, I mean, amen. Because, I mean, think about this. Because Arkansas doesn't have a pro team. So it's alright for you to like a Louisiana professional team. Even though you don't like a Louisiana college team. Although you should, but you don't. But you can like a, 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 a New Orleans Saints team. Well, New Orleans Saints fans will never, ever, 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 did I say ever, 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 forget 2009. I can remember when I was a kid watching the New Orleans Saints and looking across the TV screen and people, like grown people, Tad, wearing paper bags over their head. That is just shameful, amen? And that's exactly what they were trying to say. This football team is shameful. That's how terrible they are. But in 2009, man, every we were on the top of the world. We made it all the way to the Super Bowl, man. And so all of the Saints fans were so excited. We were watching our TV screens. And I can remember this just like it was yesterday, man. There was, there was two, uh, three, three minutes and 12 seconds left. Um, we were up 24 to 17. And if you know anything about that game, you know we were playing the Indianapolis Colts. We were up 24 to 17. The problem was Peyton Manning and his team had the ball. Now, if you know anything about football, you know that Peyton Manning has driven down the field at the end of the game to beat the other team. No telling how many times that sucker's done that. And so the Saints fans are up by seven points, and we're excited about that. But at the same time, he has the ball, and he's driving down the field. He's like four of six for 60-something yards on that particular drive. And we are a nervous, nervous wreck. 
And all of a sudden, he decides to call this favorite play that they have. It's a little slant play to Reggie Wayne on the left side of the field. He drops back, three-step drop. He pumps it to Reggie Wayne just as fast as he can. And man, I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And Tracy Porter, our defensive back on that side, he slips the the coverage and he jumps in front of uh, Reggie Wayne and, and, and between him and the ball and he catches the ball and he takes that sucker like 70 yards for a touchdown and every New Orleans Saints fan in the world was jumping up to their feet hollering, Woo! I mean, it was just glorious. I mean, listen, my father-in-law even almost cried. I mean, that's how exciting it was for the New Orleans Saints to, to win the Super Bowl. Now listen to me. All of that happened for one reason and one reason only. You ready for it? Position. Position. Tracy Porter put himself in a position to be able to make a play. Alright? Listen to me now. In football, position, in sports, position is everything. Alright? Now listen, in our spiritual lives, you have to understand that position is everything in our spiritual lives, just like it is in the sports realm. And so tonight, what I want to do in way of revival services, I want to remind you of your spiritual position as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But before I do that, I want to show you a couple of things or tell you a couple of things about Position. Everybody everybody ready? Say amen. amen. Alright, I want to show you a couple things about position. Number one, as believers in Christ, we have to know our position as we face the opposition. Alright? Now you know that there is an opposing person out there and his demonic angels that are fighting against us. So in the spiritual realm, we have to know our position as we face the opposition. Let me just give you an example in the sports realm. You don't, you don't send a 350-pound lineman out to guard somebody who runs a 4-240 wide receiver. You just don't do that. You know your position. You do that, you're going to get beat every time. Because they're going to look over there and say, let's take an advantage of that matchup right there. And so he's just going to run a fly pattern. He's going to leave the lineman behind. He's just going to toss it up. Not even worry about leading the receiver because the lineman can't keep up with that guy. And so they're going to end up beating you. So in our spiritual lives, we have to know our position as we face the opposition. Everybody with me so far? Alright, second thing we've got to know about this position is this. As believers in Christ, we've got to start fighting from our position instead of for our position. See, there's a lot of believers in Jesus Christ who do not understand who they are in Jesus Christ and they're scratching and clawing trying to get ahead in this Christian walk that we're living and God's simply trying to say through His Word, you don't have to try to scratch and claw and get to the top of the cross. Jesus has already hung there for you. And so we've got to fight from there instead of for there. Alright, so everybody, everybody pay attention. Let me just recap. We've got to understand our position as we face the opposition. And then we have to understand we need to fight from our position instead of for our position. Now let me give you our position. This passage of Scripture gives it to us very clearly. It says, therefore if anyone is, now here it is, in Christ. That's our position. Alright? As a believer in Jesus, we are in Christ. Christ, alright? Our faith has given us that position in Christ. The word in simply means a fixed 
position. Alright? Everybody got it. A fixed position in Jesus Christ. In other words, we have a position that is firmly planted in Jesus Christ, not because of our works, what we've done, how good we are, how awesome we are, because we all love to think we all ate in a bag of Skittles, but God's saying that's not what gave you the position. It was the finished work of Jesus on the cross. If you're saved tonight, you are saved not because you're awesome. You are saved because Jesus took His position on the cross of Calvary and gave you an opportunity to rest in His finished work so that you could have a position of being in Christ Jesus. So that is our position. And then the Bible takes it a step further. He says, if you are in Jesus Christ, then you are a new creation. I don't know about you, but I like new stuff. Amen? I mean, y'all know some of y'all. I've been around you enough to know you like new Arkansas paraphernalia. You, you, some of y'all like new fishing rods. I like them too. Amen. Hint, hint. I like them too. Um, some of y'all like new hunting equipment. I mean, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. If I was to uh, brother George, I was to go to the Polaris store and and buy Hunter Vincent one of them. Uh, Polaris mule or something like that. I guarantee you that sucker ride that thing till the wheels fall off. He would be excited about getting that new product. Well, we should be excited about our position in Jesus because the Bible says when you get in Christ, you become brand spanking new. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to meet some of the old y'all, I probably wouldn't like you. And if you was to meet the old me, you probably wouldn't like me either. Amen? And so he says, once you are in Christ, old things pass away and new things come to pass. So what does he mean when he says, old things passed away? Now this is going, this is going, to, this is going to encourage some of your hearts really, really bad. Really, really good. Amen? Old things simply means this. You are no longer the sinner separated from God. That's old. That's who you were. That's not who you are now if you are in Jesus Christ. And that's something to be excited about. Amen. You, you are not the sinner who are separated from God. That's old stuff. That's passed away. You are no longer a slave to sin and death if you are in Christ. Now before you met Christ, you were a slave to sin and death. There wasn't anything you could do about it. You were wicked to the core. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't work your way out of it. And you're going to die a spiritual death. But now that you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to that sin and death. You are also no longer defenseless against the wiles of the devil. Can I get an amen on that? So, so guess what that means? When we are in Christ, and I would do it, but I don't want to be showing out. But if we are in Christ, and what that means is we now have the legal authority to kick the devil right square in the face with the Word of God. Amen? So, so, so that old stuff, see before I was defenseless. And the reason I was defenseless because I was yielding to him. By nature, I was yielding to him. But now that I'm in Christ, listen, that's gone. That's old. I don't, you know, he has no authority over me and he has no authority over you if you are in Christ. Why? Because Christ has authority over you. See, that old, that's passed away. But then the Bible says this, we get, we, we're new. We're, we're, the old is passed away, now we're new. So what does that mean? Here's what that means. You are now clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. I love that because you know Jesus is perfect, wasn't he? And so the Bible says this, He who knew no sin. The Bible says he, he made Him who knew no sin become sin for us that we might become the what? 
the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And so now that we are in Christ, we are no longer seen as the sinner. We are seen as the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else that new is that we are now reconciled to God as the redeemed. Amen. Hey, we got a song that the angels cannot even sing. When we get to heaven, we're going to be able to sing the song of the redeemed. Those who are washed in the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And so we are now the redeemed of God. We are now victorious over sin and death where we used to be slaves over sin and death. Let me tell you what that means for you. That means you have the power through your position in Christ to say no to sin that is ailing you. You can say no. Listen, look at look at me. Put your foot down and say no to the sin that is ailing you. Why? Because Christ says you can. Because you've got a position in Him. Like He can't defeat sin. He came and defeated sin on the cross. So you just got to recognize who you are in Jesus Christ and start living that way. Amen? So, being in Christ means old stuff's passed away, new stuff has come. So we have that position of being in Christ. And with that comes a new name. A new name. Not only we got new stuff applied to us, the righteousness of Jesus and Victory over sin and death, but we also get to be called different stuff. I used to be called a lot of stuff when I was a kid. And y'all know I'm talking about some of y'all was called a lot of stuff too. And you're like, but we can't be talking about that up in church. I know. Aren't you glad that now that you're in Christ, you got a new name? You got something else that people can call you? Listen to this. The Bible, the Bible used to call us, before we were in Christ in this position, the Bible used to call us the sinful. The sinful. I, I mean, think about that. How you doing, sinner? I mean, how many of y'all would like that? I mean, for real, seriously. I meet you on the side of the road or out at McDonald's or something like that, and I say, hey, sinner. Now, the first couple of times, you probably acknowledge, well, you know, I am a sinner. I mean, he got me pig. He read my mail. But after, after about four or five times, you're going to be like, look, I'm t- look, next time that dude called me sinner, I'm going to show him what kind of sinner I am. Know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. A bunch of sinners. <laughs> See, before we were in Christ, that's what the Bible called us. Now, that's what God called us. Don't be, don't be jacking with me. That's what God called you. You want to fight somebody, you fight him because that's what he said. He said, you were the sinful. Then he said this, you were the separated. You were separated from him. That's who you were before this position of being in Christ. You were also called the enemies of God. Enemies of God. Man, how do you like that one? I mean, everybody's just excited. Yeah, I like that one. Nobody's excited about that. Even the lost man that believes in some form of deity don't want to think that that he himself is an enemy of God. It's like, well, you know, I might not follow him like I'm supposed to, but I'm not an enemy of God. No, the Bible says you're an enemy of God. If you're not for him, you are what? Against him. And so the Bible says you are an enemy of Jesus before you met Christ. It also calls us this wicked, wicked. So we've got sinner, separated, bunch of enemies of God, wicked people. I mean, that right there is just make you want to, won't it? Not really. It also called us slaves to sin. But here's what's so cool. That's who we were before Jesus. So, So if you're calling yourself that now, quit. Because that's not who you are in Christ anymore. 
The Bible says that you're this. You get a new name. The Bible says you are now called the children of God. I like that one. Amen. You are the children of God. It also says you're this. You're sons and daughters of God. Alright. It also says this. You're the chosen. You are those that God looks down and says, Man, those are mine. Those are mine. George is mine. I don't know about you, but I've got kids. I, I like taking pictures of my kids, putting it on Facebook. You know? I mean, who doesn't? If you don't, shame on you. You ought to. You know? I mean, we love to tell people, this is my child, this is my hunter right here, and this is Grace and Abby and Emma right here, and, and you know, and, we, and, and, and if you don't, if you don't, I mean, listen, I got, I want, I want to show you something real quick, because I want to make sure you know that my kids, I love my kids, and so um, I'm going I'm to do a little something for you, because we ought to brag on it. Isn't that cute? You know what she's saying? Do you want to be a snowman? Now what you don't know is I'm in the background going, No! No! But, but, but we, we ought to be proud of our children. And listen, God is proud to call us children of Himself. Sons and daughters of God. The chosen of God. The elect living stones. And this is one of my favorites. He calls us the beloved. Now that's, a, that's like an old word, isn't it? That's like King James, 1611, King James, beloved. You, you, you go and listen to some of the old preachers from a long time ago and they say beloved all the time. I love that word. I'm bringing it back, Jack. Amen. I'm bringing it back. We are the beloved of Almighty God. Don't that sound good, Zach? The beloved, just say yeah. The beloved of Almighty God. We are the redeemed of Almighty God. So, listen, all of that you get because of being in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't just, I got a whole lot more, but I don't know why somebody wouldn't want to be in Christ just by listing that stuff. I mean, to be going from the wicked, sinful, no good for nothing to, I love my children. Those are my children. Those are the beloved. Those are the redeemed of God. Who wouldn't want that? Well, that's our position in Jesus. Everybody with me so far? Alright, now with that position though, we get, we get some more things. God just keeps, he just keeps piling it on. So what else do we get? Here's what we get. We get access and authority with our position of being in Christ. We get access and authority. Now let me give you just a small illustration. Uh, about six years ago, me and one of my friends, we decided that we were going to purchase a little hunting property in the great state of Arkansas. So we went to Eudora, and we found 60 acres of property that we wanted to buy. And we bought that piece of property. And listen, when we bought that property, those people gave us a deed to that property. Alright? Now that deed to that property gave us a position. You know what that position was? That position was called owner. Alright? So now, because I am the owner, that's my official position because of that deed. Now that I'm an owner of that property, I have access and authority to that property anytime I want to. 
Right? So, I can go up to Arkansas and hunt when I want to. I can go up there and fish if I want to. I can build something on that property if I want to. Why? Because of my position. I have access and authority to that position. Now, listen to me very carefully. In the spiritual realm, our faith is the deed that gives us our position in Christ, which gives us access and authority. Everybody with me so far? So, that deed that I receive for that land in the spiritual sense our deed is our faith in Jesus so in other words by faith you've trusted in Jesus and therefore you have received a position that has given you access and authority all right now listen to me first John chapter 5 verse 4 through 5 says this for whatever is born of God overcomes the world I praise God for that and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith Our faith. So our faith is the deed that gives us position, that gives us access and authority. Now listen to me carefully. About two years after we bought that piece of property, which would be about four years ago, we decided we were going to go hunt. And I went out there that particular day, me and my buddy, and I ended up killing this gigantic, ginormous buck. It was a 12 point, 17 and a half inches wide, and yes, I know exactly what it measured. 147 inches, 224 pounds. It was a brute of a deer. And once you kill a deer in Arkansas, or at least at that particular time, you had to take it to a checkpoint and like register that thing, let them know you killed it, right? So you tag it, take it over there, and you had to register it. So we brought it to this little store, and we registered this thing at the store, marked it down that we killed it. And the people were like, hey, man, can we get a picture of that thing? Can we, can we, can we get a picture of y'all? I was like, Man, I'm Louisiana. I'm going to get a big old buck. You can get a picture all you want to. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah. You want me to turn sideways? It's my best side right here. I'm like, yeah. Take a picture all you want. So they took pictures and hung the pictures. They had Polaroids. And they hung it up on their little bragging board thing at the store. Well, a couple of days later, me and my buddy went back over there to our property to hunt. And when we get through hunting that morning, we weren't successful. But we come out. And when we got out to the truck, there was a game warden waiting on us. And I, I'm starting to put all this together. I say, yeah, yeah, I know how this works. The Louisiana people came killing big bucks. And so the Arkansas people get ticked off and start telling game wardens. They killed big deer over there on Highway 8. I saw them, dude, in a big four-wheel drive truck. It was two of them. A little short, fat guy and a big, fat guy. And they came and they, and they killed his video. So you need to go check them guys out. Make sure they're not hunting on somebody's property. So we get out to the road and he says, how y'all doing? We said, good. Was anyway. And he said, y'all kill anything? That's the first thing they're going to ask. Like if I'm going to lie about it, I'm going to tell him. Yeah. Yeah, we killed one, but it's in the woods back there hiding. We didn't want you to give us a ticket. Ain't nobody doing that. So I, I said, no, we didn't kill anything. He said, uh, can I see y'all's license? I said, yeah, sure. Gave him our license. He said, uh, he said um, I, see you, um, I see you missing a tag on your license. I said, yeah. I said, I killed a buck out here last, last week. He said, yeah, I know I heard about it. I said, I knew it was true. All those people at that store went ratting to the game warden about us guys. And he said, uh, where are y'all hunting at? I said, well, it's the way I want it. Because here's what I wanted to do. Listen to me. I wanted to declare my position. Got me? Everybody with me? So I said, well, you go about a quarter of a mile down this little, little uh, dim road through the woods. And a quarter of a mile back there, you'll get to a 60-acre patch of WRP. I said, he and I own that property. 
See, the first thing I wanted to do was reveal my position. That way he wouldn't be messing with me about having to have a permission slip and so on and so forth. So I had to reveal my position of being the owner which gives me access and authority to that land. Therefore, he wouldn't bother me anymore about where I was hunting. Now listen to me. If you and I in a spiritual sense have received a position, access and authority by our faith then the next logical question is simply this. What do we have access and authority to? Alright, our faith gives us position where we have access and authority. But what do we have access and authority to? Let me give you the answer. The answer is land. Land. You say, what are you talking about? You mean I got, I got some land somewhere? Yes, you do. But it is a spiritual kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom. So according to your faith in Jesus Christ, that deed, you've received a position of being in Christ, which gives you access and authority to a heavenly kingdom. Now, just in case you don't believe me, I want to show you in Scripture where this is true. Alright? So we have access and authority to a heavenly kingdom because of our position in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through 6 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together. Listen to this. And He makes us sit together in heaven places in Christ Jesus. And so what that simply says there is that we have access and we are seated in heavenly places because of our position of being in Christ. In other words, as you are sitting here, you are still seated in the heavenlies. Why? Because Christ is in the heavenlies and you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And so right now, you have access to be seated in the heavenlies. As a matter of fact, because of your position of being in Jesus Christ, you are seated in the heavenlies whether you want to be or not. That's what happens when we have faith in Jesus Christ. So if you don't want to be seated in the heavenlies, look at me. Don't get saved. Because the Bible says when you're saved, you're seated in the heavenlies. Now, I could tell that's way better to me than it is to y'all, but um, we'll just move on. Seated in the heavenlies. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, who has blessed us. Oh, you're going to like this one. Everybody likes this one. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only are you seated in heavenly places because of your position of being in Christ, but you have blessings that are in heavenly places because of your position in Jesus Christ. In other words, if you want the blessings that are in the heavenlies in Christ waiting for you, you can have access and authority to them anytime you want to. See, I own the property in Arkansas. It's mine. I have access. The blessings that come with that is there is game on that property. There are animals on that property. And I have access and authority to those animals that are on that property. And so anytime I want to be blessed with an animal from my property, I can go to my property and be blessed with an animal because the blessings are on my property. Right? Is anybody getting that? Amen. 
You have blessings in the heavenlies and they're there waiting for you because of your position of being in Christ Jesus through your faith in Him. And so therefore, if you want to live a life of not being blessed, then have at it. But you're leaving a bunch of blessings in heaven sitting there waiting on you to come get them. And because you have access there, you can go get them anytime you want to. So if you want to sit around and live a defeated life, and oh, I don't, I don't got no blessing, I don't got no blessing. Hey, that's your fault, pal. That's your fault. Because they're waiting for you in heaven, they're right there. You want to be blessed, ask God to bless you. Go to the heavenly places and be blessed. Amen? Now let me warn you something about the blessings. Let me warn you something about blessings. Let's take a look at this passage. He said, blessed with every spiritual blessing. He didn't say fleshly blessing. See, because what happens is we take that spiritual blessing and there's no doubt God's got blessings for us. And they're there. They're at, we have access to every single one of them. But what happens is our flesh begins to run wild with that. And we start praying for Cadillacs. And, you know, we're praying for a good-looking honey. And just, you know, I mean, we're just praying for it all. And our flesh begins to feed our mouth and our mind. And so then we start asking God to give us stuff that He says, That's not a blessing to you. That's not a blessing to you. Some of y'all, you, you wait, you wait, you just waiting for that stuff. And you're begging God. And you're going, I don't know why God's not giving that. I mean, I heard that preacher on TV say that I could get that anytime I wanted to. Because God is obligated to give me all this stuff. It could be that God is in the heavenlies. And He's saying, no, 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 that's not in Christ. I can't give you that one. I'm not giving you that one because that's not in Christ. That's not the spiritual blessing that I want you to have. See, I just ticked some of y'all off right there. See, you were all up in it while I go, oh, good, 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 amen, amen. We got the blessing waiting on them. Open up the windows, Lord, open up the windows. And then I got all spiritual on you. And you're like, Shh. I don't even know why I'm here. I come to get a blessing. Listen, spiritual blessings from God is far better than any fleshly blessing that you could ever receive. So he says, you got access and you got authority. And then he takes it a step further. I love this one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 through 19 says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Let me, let me, let me stop right here. Now I know you ain't got a problem with this, but listen. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's how you know you're building God's church. Hell ain't winning. If hell's winning, you may not be building his church. You might be building your church. Look, 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 look at me real close. Let me sit down right here. I want you to build, pay attention. If hell is winning in your house, it could be because you're not building his church in your house. Because hell wouldn't be winning. Think about that one for a little while. See, sometimes we got to go back to the Word and say, okay, I'm going to stand on these promises, God. So he said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then he said this to Peter. He said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So, so, so look now, he said, I'm, I'm giving you a set of keys. Now this is the keys to my Acadia. Which means I can go out there and go, doop, doop. open the door, get in, drive it around. He said, I'm giving you the keys 
to the heaven, alright, the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So apparently, there's power in the heavenlies that's there for us as well. I mean, keys are used for locking and unlocking things. And so apparently, He's given us the ability through our position of being in Christ to be able to lock and unlock some things. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what this particular passage means, but let me just round it out to you like this. Here's what it simply means. We have the keys to make heavenly things happen in earthly places. That's what it means. I mean, you take, I don't care what interpretation you take of that passage of Scripture. You're going to all end up right there. We have the access and the authority to open up heavenly things and watch them happen in earthly places. In other words, through your prayers, because you've got access to the Father because of your position of being in Christ, through your prayers, you can pray and pray and pray and pray and watch that old boy that you've been praying for for a while give his life to Jesus, which is the greatest miracle that's ever been known to mankind. You can see heavenly things happen on earthly places because of your position of being in Christ Jesus. So listen to me. Our faith is our deed. Right? Our faith is our deed to this position and it grants us access and authority to a heavenly realm to a heavenly kingdom but here's the next question how do we know our faith is viable how do we know that it's real now listen when we bought that piece of property and they gave us that deed at the bottom right corner of that deed there was a seal placed upon that deed A seal of authenticity. A seal of authority. A notary put a seal on that. A notary who was licensed by the United States of America according to the state that he was in. And so in other words, what that simply means is that is a legal binding document. If someone ever took me to court and said, you're not really the owner of that property, I would break out my deed and I would show them where we paid for that land. And the notary put his seal of approval and authority and authenticity on that 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 a deed to show them that it is validated and that truly is my property. Now listen to me. Just as we have a seal on the deed in a physical piece of property, you and I have a seal on our spiritual deed, our faith, that guarantees that it is real and it is viable. Let me show you where that's at. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Why should we not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Here's why. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so in other words, God has given you His Spirit to validate that you belong to Him. And His Spirit is living inside of you so that the Spirit may guide you in all all things God. And the Spirit would remind you that you are a child of God. You are in Jesus Christ. And so therefore, you walk in Jesus Christ. So our guarantee of this position, this access and authority, is that we've been sealed by the Spirit of the living God. You say, am I saved? Do you have the Spirit? You say, how do I know? Now, some folks are going to say, well, what? how do you know? Is you're going to jump up and down? You're going to say a bunch of stuff nobody can understand. Some folk going to say that. Some folk going to say something else. Well, you know, you had this happen, this happened, this happened. Here's how you know you've been filled with the Spirit of the living God. Alright? Listen to me. He's leading you toward Christ. Bottom line. 
I don't care how you want to shake it out. He's leading you toward Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that one of the things that the Spirit of the living God will do is reveal truth to you and reveal things that are of Christ to you. So if the Spirit of the living God is living inside of you and your faith is validated, then guess what that means? You're going to be marching toward the Lord Jesus Christ and living in His will and His way. And so that's how we can know that we have the seal. Alright? Now let me tell you why that's important. Everybody, everybody with me so far? Alright, you've got access and authority because of your faith that gives you the position of being in Christ. Now let me tell you why that's important. Because we're in a battle. We're in a battle greater than any battle that you've ever seen in your entire life. We are in a spiritual battle. You take all the battles of the world, you combine them together, and none of them combined together is as bad and as horrible as the spiritual battle that you and I are in every single day of our lives. See, some of you, you need to understand this. Now, get, now pay attention to me. Some of you need to understand this. You've got problems with people. You know, I tell you what, I hate that joker. I, I can't stand that joker. No, listen to me. Look at me. First of all, if you're a Christian, shame on you. Because that ain't Christ leading you to hate people. That's you leading you to hate people. Which means you're quenching the Spirit, which you just said. Don't quench the seal that's upon you. Right? Don't act like the seal's not there. Don't act like it's a, well, you know, I don't guess I don't own it. I, I don't know. I don't guess I own that property. Don't act like that. But, but, but listen to me. You think your problem is with them. Your problem's not with them. Your problem is with that spiritual influence that's behind them, influencing them to do what they do. That's where your problem lies. And so instead of cussing them out and griping them out, what you need to be doing is getting on your stinking knees and praying that that spiritual adversity that's behind them would cut them loose so that they could be obedient to Christ. See, but you feel all glorified in yourself when you can cuss somebody out and just give them the what for. It makes you feel good inside. But God's saying, you're fighting the wrong battle. Our battle's not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. See, we're in a spiritual battle every single day of our lives. That's why we have to understand our position in Jesus Christ. My wife went on a trip to Honduras a couple months ago. And um, she was what our pastor saw this. Um, they ex- encountered a lot of warfare, spiritual warfare. Um, and, and they were walking in this store, and my wife walked. There was a Jamaican lady that was sitting over here, and my wife walked in this store, and my pastor was behind her, and he saw that lady. She started hissing at my wife. She started going, and she started going, and just doing her tongue like a snake at my wife. Now, to, to us, we would go, crazy lady. No, no. Demonic lady. Demonic lady. See, spiritual battle. Spiritual battle. But, but we want to live oblivious to it. Don't happen in America. Don't happen in America. It's not real, not real. I know the Bible says about demons, but it's not real. It's not real. And we just want to go on living a fairytale life, believing that we're not in a spiritual battle, and we are. And here's what's so crazy about that. The same week that she had that happen to her by a Jamaican lady. Guess what? I got a phone call. Guess where it was from? Jamaica. Now, I didn't answer it, but... <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know anybody in Jamaica. <laughs> Cell phone, Jamaica, don't mix. So I didn't answer it. But I thought to myself, when she told me about that, when she got back, I thought, hmm, sound like a spiritual battle going on. They would go in and they would start preaching. A pastor would be preaching at that little church that we sponsor on that little island there in Honduras. 
start preaching and the witch doctors and stuff would come out and they'd start preaching themselves outside the walls of the church trying to convert people to Satanism and things of that nature see this is a spiritual battle their battle wasn't even with him their battle was with the demonic force that was behind him and so you and I have to understand our position now let me, let me listen to me pay attention pay very close attention many of you in this church right now I don't care how revived you've been. Many of you in this church right now, you have become a casualty of this battle because you have yielded your position. You have yielded your position. You have forgotten who God said you are. You have forgotten the position that your faith has given you. See, He says through His Word, because you are in Christ, here's what you've got. You've got access and authority to the heavenlies. See, listen to me. Look at me. Look, just pay attention. Some of you, you're not even here, though you're here. You know why? Because you've fallen prey already this evening to the spiritual battle. You you come to get out. Which means you've already fallen prey to the spiritual adversary before you ever got in in the walls of the church. Some of you are already ready to be done. Because you've fallen prey to the spiritual adversary that is hounding you and tempting you and prodding at you. You know why he's doing that? So you won't hear God's voice. Guess what that means? That means God wants to tell you something. That's what it means. So just in case this hasn't been good enough for you. Let me just remind you again through scripture who you are in Christ. Alright? Everybody with me say amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Doesn't that sound exciting? It's like, hey, who can be against me? You say, a lot of people. Really? They can hate me all they want. But God is for me. And that's all that matters, right? Some of y'all out there, you're saying, well, I can't, I can't get too Jesus-y because then these folks that I like won't like me. Who cares? The only thing that matters is that you're God's. That's the only thing that matters. And so he says, if, if, God, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Alright? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? If it's God who justifies... Alright, who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Now there's a, there seems to be some conflict and confusion right there. Because it says who is it that condemns and then he turns around and says it's Christ. But we read in John where it says Christ didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. So what does that mean? Is that a contradiction in scripture? No, it's not. What it simply means is this. When Jesus came the first time, He didn't have to condemn the world because the world's already condemned because of their sin. But when Jesus comes the second time, everybody's going to stand before Him and He's going to be the great judge and He's going to bring some condemnation down on some folks. Alright? But then He turns right around and says, Oh yeah, but by the way, those of you who are in Christ Jesus, since Jesus is the judge and He's the one interceding for you and also the same one that's bringing condemnation on you, if He's interceding for you, then He'll never bring condemnation on you. That's why the Bible says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because He's the one answering for us, interceding for us. When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, He's going to say, That one's mine. That one's not. That one's mine. That one's condemned to hell. That one's... uh, 
ushered into this glorious place called heaven where he has reconciliation with the Father because I'm interceding for him. You know why? Because by his faith and the seal of the Spirit of God, I know that he's mine. So, then he goes on to say this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then he takes a step further. He said, as it is written, for your sake we killed all day long. We're like sheep to the slaughter, Lord. Now that's pretty bad, all that stuff he just named. And in the very next sentence he said, yet, yet, yet in all things, even all of that. Alright? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I've used this illustration before, I'm sure. I use it all the time, but it's the best one I got. So I'll just uh, kind of narrow it down for y'all who are ready to go already. Picture two boxers going to a bloodbath, fighting for 15 rounds. I mean, it's like a Rocky movie. And at the end of the movie, the guy who is not the champion ends up beating the champion in a boxing match. He is so excited. He's beside himself. They come out. They bring in that big large check. It's got all them zeros on it. That big fake check. You know, and he's holding that thing up. And Adrian, Adrian. I mean, he's excited about it. Right? Well, then after the fight, they work out the deal. They give him the real check. And and he's conquered the heavyweight champion of the world. And he goes to his house. And he hands a check to his wife. Alright? He's a conqueror. But she's more than a conqueror. Now, here's why. Some of y'all going, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. That's me. Some of you men going. Listen. Listen. Let's take this a spiritual way. What that simply means is this. Because she, she's a conqueror because he fought the battle. She got the prize. We're more than conquerors because Jesus fought the battle. We get the prize. That's what it means to be more than conquerors. So, so listen. If it ain't enough. If it ain't enough for you to be excited and just amazed at the fact that He's given you access and authority to the heavenlies, man, anytime you want to. If that ain't enough, He simply says this, you're more than a conqueror because you didn't do nothing and I did it for you and you get heaven. That's good to me, amen? So here's what it means. More than conquerors means your faith has given you a position in Christ that's sealed by the Spirit of God which has enabled you to have access and authority to a heavenly kingdom. And the fact that you're a conqueror simply means this. Can't nobody conquer it back. Can't nobody conquer it back from you because Christ is stronger than anyone who would fight against Him. Right? So, so let's, let's take it a step further. Because here's what we're talking about. Having a position of being in Christ. That would be salvation. And with that position, you have access and authority to the heavenlies. Because of Christ, not because you're awesome, but because of Christ in His position. And through that position, the Bible says you are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves you. Then here's the big question. Then why in the world are some of you living such defeated lives? Why is it that you can walk in this church and have a good time and yet walk out this church and go to your house and fight like cats and dogs and hate like cats and dogs and go outside the walls of the church and be absolutely miserable and then come back on Sunday and put on your Sunday face and then walk out the doors and be absolutely, totally miserable. So here's what it means. Some of you tonight have allowed doubt. You've allowed fear, pride, addiction, all kinds of sin conquer you because you have forgotten the power of your position you've forgotten the power of your position what you and I have to do is this 
Take our position. Take our position. I heard a story about these guys called smoke jumpers. They're like, I had a fireman tell me this. They're like the Navy SEALs of firefighting. When there's a great big fire somewhere, they drop these guys off in this fire and get after it. Well, years ago, there was a group of about 15 of these fire jumpers who were dropped off in the middle of these mountains to fight this fire. So they started going at it and they started fighting this fire. And they realized after a little while that it was just too much for them to handle. And so they started trying to retreat and they had hills to climb and mountains to go over and they were just really trying to get away from this fire. But as fast as they could try to get away, the fire was just coming toward them. And then the the head man of these smoke jumpers, he saw this area and he said, let's go to that spot right there. And they ran over to that spot and the fire came close to them and 13 out of the 15 got scared when the fire got close and they took off running trying to get away. And the fire ended up killing the 13 and only the two that stayed in that place survived. After it was all over, you can imagine the interviews, you can imagine the people wanting to talk to these two men that survived. They asked them, they said, how, how was it that you two survived and the other 13 perished in the fire? What happened? How did you do that? And the man that was in charge of the smoke jumpers, he said, well, <clears throat> he said, the way we did it was, he said, I noticed that there was a place that the fire had already burned. And so we ran and we positioned ourselves in the midst of that place where the fire had already been burned, knowing that the oxygen and everything was already out of the ground there, out of the grass. The grass was burned up. And so we knew that the fire wouldn't come there. It would go around it. And that's how we survived. Listen to me. Listen. The cross is the place where the fire has already burned. The cross of Calvary is the place where the wrath of God fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ so that you and I could have an opportunity to have a position of being in Christ Jesus. And so what you and I have to do is we have to run back to the cross of Calvary. We have to go back to where Jesus was burned by the wrath of God and take our position there and fight from that position, not for that position. Run back to the cross. Get on your knees. Park there. Remember when you were saved. And if you're not saved... Then run to the cross. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And let everything flow from the cross of Calvary. Let your discipleship. Let your evangelism. Let your preaching. Let your teaching. Let your fellowship. Let your singing. Let everything flow from your position of the cross of Calvary. So what I'm saying to you tonight at church is simply this. Some of you have left the cross. You're you're resting on your talents and your gifts. You're resting in your sin. And you've forgotten who Jesus says you are. And what we need to do tonight is we need to repent and run back to the cross. And stay there and fight from there. Because we are certainly in a battle. We're in one right now. Even as I speak. And some of you, you are being demolished by the enemy. You're you're wanting to, your heart is broken about your marriage, it's broken about your finances, it's broken about your kids, it's broken about this one and that one and that and that, addictions to sin and all kinds of stuff. It's right there. And what you need to do, what you have to do, what you must do if you're going to be victorious in this life is run back to the cross and take your position there. That's what you have to do. The question for us tonight is simply this, are we going to suck it up and stop being prideful and bow 
fall on our faces before God and say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm running back to the cross where you saved me, knowing that you have given me power and victory over anything that would hinder me. And tonight I'm claiming that victory and I'm living my position of being in Christ Jesus. That's how revival comes. That, that's, listen, here's what, listen to me, look at me. I don't need your claps. God don't need the claps. He needs our brokenness. He needs our brokenness. He needs us to truly get it and run back to the cross and stay there. See, some of you struggling, you battling, man. You battling. And God says you ain't got to. Even in the midst of the battle, all you got to do, listen, stay at the cross. Stay there. He'll fight it for you. It's already been done. Just go back there tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you for what it means to us. Thank you that that's where our power is at. And God, I just pray for these precious people that are here tonight. God, I know that there are some here tonight who are struggling in their families. Struggling with hate. Struggling with fear, pride, alcoholism, addictions, all kinds of things. So God, tonight I just pray that you'd help us all to take our position at the cross and fight from there. Lord, I pray for those who are in this place tonight who are lost and headed straight to hell. I pray tonight, dear God, that you would show them the cross and that they would run there for their salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to listen. If you're here tonight and you say, Brother Casey, I I just need Jesus. I need to be saved. I need salvation. I need Christ to set me free. And I want you to listen to me. I'm going to have Brother George come right here to the front of the church and I want you to listen to me. If you're in this place tonight and you say, Brother Casey, I need Jesus. To save me. And so I want to run to the cross and give my life to Him. And let Him save me tonight. And here's what I want you to do. Whether you're a man, woman, boy, or girl. Just right now where you are, I want you to just slip out of your seat. I want you to come take your position at the cross right here in front of Brother George. And say, Brother George, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. I want to be saved. And so I want you to just do that right now. If you need to be saved, I want you to come to Brother George right now. God bless you. I want you to come right now to Brother George. Say, I want to give my life to Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want you to listen. The rest of you, how many of you would say, Brother Casey, I need to run to the cross because there are so many things in my life right now that I'm struggling with, hate and pride and fear and addiction, whatever the case may be, family issues, financial issues, all that. And and Brother Casey, I want to run back to the cross tonight and take my position and fight from it, not for it. How many of you would honestly say that to me tonight? Brother Casey, I just need to go to the cross. Let me see your hand tonight. You say, I just need to go to the cross. Hey, look at me. There's plenty of room at the cross for you tonight. So our altars are going to be open for you to come humbly, humbly before our God. But boldly knowing that God said the power is at the cross. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as the praise band sings for us. The altars are open for you to come. Let's come and take our position at the cross tonight. You come. Be reminded you're in Christ. And there's power in that. There's blessing in that. There's authority in that.